Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. How many of you are glad you're here today? How many of you are here today? You're, you're here. You're with it. Okay. Man, we are so, so excited about all that God is doing in your lives, also what God is doing in this church family. So if you're, if you're visiting or if this is like the first or second time for you, we just want to say welcome to the family. You're part of us, and we're thrilled to have you. Uh, before we jump in this morning, we want to just take a quick moment just to share some exciting things that took place last week. And uh, uh, I want to first of all share just a few things regarding our, our building update. Um, so last week... Um, Ashley sprung one on us that I was not prepared for, and I'm so thankful that he did that. And last week, so we received an offering specifically, again, towards that building fund, and we took one April the 2nd, and it was about 112000 in change that came in uh, uh, April 2nd. And this past Sunday, are you ready? No, no, no. Are you ready? <laughs> Do you want to hear what the Lord did through you? I mean, we got churches that connected with us, with those that are watching online. Are, are you ready online? Yeah. Yes, sir. You all got your phones out your phone? Okay. <laughs> but man, are you ready to hear what God did? He, this last week, Sunday, $176,694.29 came in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Y'all, that, that sealed the deal for us to go to the next phase because we, we needed a, a down payment and all that. And so guess what we also did last week? We signed the papers. Yay! So it's official. Y'all are moving. <laughs> You're getting evicted out of this place real soon. We'll let you know the exact date. But we take possession of new life, that, that building, uh, July 4th. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be moving day. It's going to be a demo day. It's going to be everything happening July 4th. So uh, get your gloves, get your boots, and we're excited. Thank you so, so much for partnering with the Lord and what he's doing. I mean, we're here to impact generations for Jesus, and we're just so excited to see what God did. Actually, when I got the, the number was, was text to me, I actually just started laughing. I didn't know what else to do, but just go... Oh, my Jesus. And I know some of you stretched yourself, did you not? Anybody wake up Monday morning and go, what on earth was, what just took place? There better be a God, and he better be watching what happened that day. I'm in that boat too, so I went, oh, Lord, I'm trusting you big time, but I know this. Man, we got some exciting things ahead, and don't, don't hold back now. We are going to continue to push forward because it's time that we start putting some pressure on the enemy, and the pressure's off of you. It's on the word now. You don't have to take any pressure on yourself going, oh, I hope this stuff's going to come work. The word always works. Say with me, the word always works. It has never steered us wrong. It has never thrown us off course. He is always delivered right on time. And did you know, we actually needed that down payment ready to go. And we signed the papers Friday evening before the conference actually started. So it was like, a, this was, Lord, we are stepping into this, believing you that you were going to make this happen. And here's the thing that the Lord told us as well, remember? He didn't expect us to pay for it. He expected us to believe for it. And all the finances will just continue to flow in you, through you, through us. That's how it's going to get the job done. And so it's a pressure off. Isn't that nice to live? Pressure off. Come on, shake your neighbor. Say, pressure's off. No, 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 really shake him. Pressure is off. Where is the pressure? It's on the word. 
we cast all of our care, all of our anxiety over on the Lord because he cares. He cares. So I don't care. Do you care? Okay, four of you answered. Do you care? About what? Anything. I don't care. Oh, but I'm really got this. I don't care. That sounds mean. No, it sounds Bible. I don't care. <laughs> and neither should you. All right. Well, this morning, um, as again, preparing and getting ready for today, I had the Lord just share a few things with me that I want to take some time to really share with you uh, in light of all that took place last week. Now, how many of you were here for the conference? You received, you, man, it was, it was a, it was a lot to take in. Did anybody, you, you, you were blessed this past weekend. Now, I want to just take some time to share a few things along these lines that happened last week. Um, because I believe that we as, a, as individuals, as families, but also as a church family, we are at a threshold. And that was a word the Lord gave me for last week and specifically what this, what this weekend was for us. It was almost a, a threshold um, conference or a threshold point where we are going to go and transition into the next season. And that's what a threshold is. Just to give you the dictionary form of it, it really means this, to take you from one place into another and it's a point of departure or transition. So from a natural standpoint, or sorry, I should say from a uh, personal standpoint, many of us, you took, took this step and crossed the threshold by coming out of your comfort zone. Whether it was by receiving your healing, you took a step, maybe you came up here to get prayed for. Anybody do that? We heard miracles took place in your lives. Come on, those of you that received healing this last weekend, raise your hand, raise your hand. There's a few, come on. Raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. Okay. And then there were some that came up here and you prayed for people to receive their healing. How many felt that was, okay, that was a, I had to cross over into another line. Anybody had to step up and pray? Actually, you actually prayed. That's a great place. And then what we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier is that how many of you sowed significant seed? You crossed a threshold. I know there's more than four of you because... <laughs> Now, that took place as a natural sense, but I also believe that the Lord did that for us as a church family. Naturally speaking, we are moving to a larger facility where we're able to be a blessing to more people in central Alberta, absolutely. But now spiritually speaking, we are also stepping into a larger sphere of influence to impact generations for Jesus. You know, everything that the Lord does before he does anything outside, he first does it on the inside. And I believe as a church family, the Lord has been expanding us, extending us on the inside. Psalm 4 even talks about when I was in a, a tough spot, the Lord, he enlarged me. And I believe that's what a, the Lord did a lot through this time, even over what people want to talk, that stupid COVID years that they mentioned. What was that? It was a time of enlarging. It was a time for the church to stand up and be the church. Yo. It was significant. So all of these things was an opportunity for us to get enlarged on the inside. Now, there are some things that we receive because we trust God, but then there are some things we receive because God can trust us. And I believe what last week and kind of what the Lord has been, again, don't just think of a few people. This is collectively us as a church family. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, this means you. We're all part of this together, okay? God has entrusted us with a new building, actually with two facilities. But more importantly, God entrusts us with reaching more souls. 
Buildings are just simply tools, right? Now, bigger doesn't mean better. Bigger means you've been promoted to greater serving. That's what all this means. And I want you to see this verse, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus made this statement. Um, I'll read down a little bit further. Every, sorry, every servant who knows what pleases his master yet does not make himself ready and refuses to put his master's will to action will receive many punishing blows. You have to read it in context of what's taking place. But I wanted to really highlight this last part here. But every servant who does not know his master's will... Uh, can you guys go to the next slide? I want to go to the next part. For those who have received a greater revelation from their master, notice what happens. There's a requirement attached to it, right? And what's required? Greater obedience. And those who have been entrusted with greater responsibility will be held more responsible to their master. So when we kind of go, hey, this is all taking place. The Lord has enlarged us. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that because the Lord saw fit. He can trust us. There's more than anything that I want. God looks for faithful stewards. You see that a lot through the New Testament. And Paul actually says, the Lord actually saw trust. He entrusts us with the mystery of his gospel. That is good news. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he's entrusting you and I with this gospel. Can he trust you? I mean, we brag and we talk, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. But just as much as he's faithful, he's also looking for faithful ones that he can count on in these last days. Is that you and I? Absolutely. I believe that we've, we've hit something here. Now, uh, this, the, this threshold that we're crossing, I believe, and I can just say it like this, it is a call to open the way. Now, if you go to the book of Hebrews, I, I don't put this, the verse on yet, guys, on the screen, but Hebrews chapter 11, I was reading through this, this chapter this past week, and I was just so encouraged again to see what these heroes of faith, this is, I mean, some people call, you know, the God's uh, hall of faith. These individuals, they show all these powerful men and women of God who did things in their generation to see the plan of God go into operation at that time. And if you read through it, I would really encourage you to do so. Uh, in verse 5, for example, I'm going to just read you a couple of these things. But the common denominator that all these individuals have is faith did it. So you can't just look and go, well, Moses, he, Moses is just special. Enoch is just something else. Joseph is just, he's Joseph, he's special. No, faith did something. And because they chose to believe, they chose to depend on God entirely, God was able to now do something in their generation through them. It's not about you. I, I, that's, that's us. I believe that's what we're stepping into. But all through Hebrews chapter 11, and if you got your Bibles, just go there for fun right now. Well, not for fun. It'd be good to put your eyes on it, but it's also fun. So it's, it's a win-win. <clears throat> Don't put that verse on the screen yet, guys. Hebrews chapter, every, nobody look. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. And if you've got to go here, I'm going to just read down these lines here a little bit. Verse five, it says, faith translated Enoch that he did not see death. So we go, man, Enoch was something else. Well, hey, Enoch was something else because he chose to believe and obey God, Right? So what happened to Enoch? He did not see death because <laughs> God took him. Could you imagine walking so closely with God that God just says, you know what, just come over. I just want you to have a play date and let's just, I want you over now. Like, can you imagine that? Man, and what did it? Faith did that. Faith did, come on, say it, faith did that. So all throughout this chapter, you're gonna see faith did something. Verse seven, faith did 
opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming. And what was coming? Something that the earth had never seen before. Rain. It was going to rain hard for 40 days and 40 nights. Water, great amount of water. Nobody had any idea what was taking place. But what gave Moses insight? Faith did that. Faith, his trust, his, de- his dependency upon God gave him insight into something that this world never seen ever. Man, look and continue on. Verse 8, faith motivated Abraham to obey God and to leave the familiar. What did that? Faith. He could step out and trust God. That, that's a big one. I just, I don't really like change. If you are a faith person, you don't have to care about what happens change naturally. You don't have to change spiritually speaking. Faith, when you live by faith, you live a consistent life. Even though all the external things change, it doesn't matter. Why? Because I trust God. I'm completely dependent upon him. So what did that? How could Abraham leave his family? Leave all that was, that was normal to him and go into somewhere where he's never been before? Faith did that. Continuing on, verse 11. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive when she was barren and old. What did that? Faith did that. Come on, a 90-year-old woman getting pregnant? You got to have some supernatural help. And don't you think it's amazing that she said, I'm going to believe God in this. She got pregnant. Come on, look at your grandma and say, time for you to get pregnant. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. Okay, verse 19. Come on, y'all, I'm just messing around, just messing around. Verse 22. I can feel somebody's toes curled in their shoes when I said that. All right, verse 22. Faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future about Israel's um, exodus from Egypt. What did it? Faith. Verse 23. Faith prompted the parents of Moses to ignore the king's command. What did that? Faith did that. Verse 24, faith enabled Moses to identify as a servant of God rather than a prince of Egypt. Why could he do that? Because he had complete dependency on God. Now look at this next verse. I want you to see here, skip down a few verses. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. I do have this on the screen. Now as I was reading this, just these words popped up in me and I believe that I wanted to share that with you this morning. Is faith opened the way. Say with me, faith Open the way. And in this case, for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea as if on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to cross, they were swallowed up and drowned. Now, just those beginning words that faith opened the way. I believe that what a big part of what the Lord has called us to do as a church family, and the reason why we're taking these aggressive steps, is because you and I are here with our trust and our confidence in God is to open a way for people that have yet to receive not another religion but the authentic, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what all of this is for. Okay, this is it. There's no hidden motives. There's no ulterior motives that we're trying to do. We just want nicer parking. I'm going to miss this river. It's nice to walk through. But you and I are stepping out and obeying and believing God because we are here to open the way for those that have yet to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Anybody else with us on this journey? This is what we're collectively called to. Okay. Now, now just as quickly as I saw this, the Lord also brought to my attention just a heads up or a caution. 
Now, again, it's not always pretty to hear the caution side, but just as much as there is promises, you have to go, okay, make sure that I, you know, God promises you extreme. He wants you to be healthy and rich in all things, right? Uh, we had a, a gentleman I was listening to this just this past week, uh, how God said, Lord, there's 2,000 scriptures in your word about uh, finances, and half of them are promises, and half of them are warnings. Why? And the Lord said to him, is because I want to make you extremely rich that it's dangerous. So for you and I, I want to see what all God wants us to see. And yes, it's exciting. We go, oh, come on. But I also want to heed some of the warning sides or just, hey, heads up. We do this with our kids regularly, don't we, Jim? I never, hey, guys, you want to start doing this? Okay, that's great. Have a blast. But also, just heads up on this. There's a lot of cars running, so don't run onto the street. It's not going to work. Have a blast, though. So with this... I want you and I just to take some time just to heed some of these warning signs because don't just think that the devil's just going to watch and go, oh, look at them taking spiritual ground. Look at them taking up and looking to be a greater influence. Look how God has entrusted them. I'm going to give an offering to that as well. The devil's not going to do that. He's not going to just lay back and go, yeah, have a blast. Enjoy yourself in that new facility. I can't wait to see how my kingdom shrinks because of you guys moving. He hates advancement. He hates it. Anybody ever take spiritual advancements before where you're stepping in? Maybe this is you cross thresholds before in your life where you say, Lord, I'm I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm believing God. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, there's havoc and there's chaos that takes place. Anybody ever had that before? Do you know why? Because he's after the word. He's after the word. He doesn't give a rip about you. You can see that from the parable of the seed and the sower. Jesus continually laid out that the seed goes out constantly in looking for ground where it can produce some fruit. And every single time that you see this seed going out, Satan comes either immediately to steal the word, he brings problems and persecutions for the word's sakes, or he just keeps you distracted by natural things so that the word can't take root and you can't uh, exp- uh, do the results, see the results in your and my life. So there is a caution side of this that the word is constantly going forth. And what we received last weekend, again, I believe it was a threshold weekend for us as a church family. That here's just some heads up, some warning signs because the devil doesn't like it. We're hooping and hollering and cheering about all that God's doing. And the devil's going, ah, got to stop him. Got to do something to tick him off. Got to do him to kind of throw him off. If he can't stop the progress that's taking place, he'll do everything he can to slow it down. And I don't want to slow it down. I want to ramp this up in God's timing. But I don't want to be late. I want to be right on time. And so with that being said, I want to just take some time, I believe, just to give us some heads up, not to scare anybody that these things are coming but just so that we're on our guard you got to be ready for these things okay all right because i didn't go through these last three years for nothing i'm not i have experienced too much stuff for me to all of a sudden sulk and go this is just not fair i'm not going to let the devil take an inch he stinks he's a loser he's a defeated foe but I want to be knowledgeable about how he operates. And look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says this, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So that means he's got schemes, he's got devices. Other translations say it like this, or the message paraphrase says it like this, that we're not oblivious to his sly ways, 
The Living Bible says it like this, for we know what he is trying to do. Do you know what he's trying to do? Now it's great, we know what God is doing because he's given us vision and wherever there is godly vision, now we know where we need to focus. Now we know where we're going. But now just because we know where we're going, sometimes, you know, we talked a little bit about this beginning of the year, this word drifting. And again, I'm just talking about the beach because they're about many miles away, there's beaches. <laughs> and there's, there's great waves. And then there's also this thing called like an undercurrent. Right? Anybody ever been part of one of those before? And all of a sudden, you're kind of there, and next thing you know, you've been kind of sucked back, sucked away, and now you can't, uh, where I was, I, I thought it was over here. I need to pay attention to some of those undertones that are taking place. And the Satan doesn't just come up here and say, I'm the devil, and I'm here to wreak havoc in your life right now. Are you ready? <laughs> and he doesn't show up that way. So how does it show up? Very subtle. Very sly things, and unless you and I are paying attention, I do not want to be one of his statistics and numbers that are being thrown out there today. So, ultimately, what is he trying to do? He is here to try to de or to de uh, derail any forward progress. And as I said, if he can't do that, he will try to slow it down. Now, I want you to take this as individually now at this moment. The plan of God always causes his kingdom to retreat and actually lose ground. What he thought was going to take place during COVID was trying to shut the church's mouth, trying to shut these doors, trying to stop us from gathering the way that we are described in the Hebrews to gather. But what took place is actually the church became stronger. And it revealed where a lot of people were at. A lot of people had to go, I, what am I believing actually? It caused people to take an internal look, which is actually a very good thing. And what took place is that we became a church stronger in voice, stronger in the grace of God, stronger in what, who he is in us and who we are in him. And we can't help. We're just going to keep moving forward. Yeah. Now, so the question we're asking is how does he attempt to derail or slow down any forward progress? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and again, I'm, I'm taking this verse, but I want you to remember that Ephesians chapter 4 the Bible's not written in chapters and verses. And Ephesians 4 is kind of halfway through his letter to the Ephesians church. And in chapter 1, he, or chapter 1, chapter 2, he explains the, the Father's plan. Jesus executed the Father's plan. And his whole desire was that you and I be seated at the right hand of Father where there's the, the supreme authority. He gave you and I this place, this victorious place in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, chapter 6. Now, that's where you're seated, that's where you're called, that's where we fight from. But now, Ephesians 4.1, again, we're answering this question, how does he derail or how does he slow progress down for you as an individual, for us collectively as a body? Verse 1, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you. Now, I want you to see these words. These aren't just made up nice English words. There is, there is heart and emotion attached to what he's writing here. Right? And again, this is the Holy Spirit writing through the Apostle Paul. So the Spirit of God is pleading with the church to walk a holy life. Say with me, holy life. And before you think that's some kind of weird religious thing, we're going to explain what that is. He says, in a way that is suitable to what? To your high rank. What do you have? What are you? In the kingdom of God, you have and possess a high ranking. 
What's that high ranking? I'm seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's my spot. But everything I do from that spot dictates what happens here on this earth. So you and I, we've been operating from this place. We've been talking about it. And from this place, now a victory from this place of authority, God saw fit and has entrusted to us this influence, this expansion that is taking place. Right? So with this high rank that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling. Now, what is this? I plead with you to walk holy. What does it mean to be holy, to walk holy? What is holy? It means to be set apart. Okay? Don't just think, well, I have to wear, you know, a skirt past my knees. That's all religion trying to focus and put emphasis on you trying to be holy on the outside. Holy is an inside thing that takes place on the outside. Okay? (laughs) So, again, the question we're asking is, how does he attempt to derail or to slow down progress? If I see from Ephesians 4, 1, so what I get from this is, as long as he keeps me operating as a mere man or woman, it gets derailed or it starts to slow the progress down. So thinking like mere men. How does it derail? How does the plan of God slow down? How does it get put off track? By thinking as mere men. Okay, can we say that? Thinking as mere men. What's going to derail? Like, listen, this, we're talking about the plan of God. God's call for your and my life as we're together, as we're moving his kingdom forward in central Alberta. This is what I think is so beautiful. He's called us together. And we're here to advance and push forward. So now what we're talking about is God's almighty, his plan from before the foundation of the world, it can get derailed. It can get thrown off a little bit. Yes. Why? Because we have free will. You can choose whatever you want, right? God will always, his plan will get accomplished, but I don't want to have to stand before him and say, Lord, I just, I have my emotions were just too much. I just thought this, I wanted this, I want that. I don't want to stand there and just and hear him say, I had to choose somebody else. I don't want to hear that. So I'm making the choice to go, okay, Ephesians 4.1, I will walk a separated life. Lord, show me and teach me how to do that. Are we doing okay this morning? We're still okay? Okay. So let's look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. So he says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Is there more there, guys? Is there... Uh, can, we go, can we go to a different translation? That's not the right one. I want to read it to you guys from the Passion Bible. It's not. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh and because you are immature infants in Christ. Do you guys have that? If you've got a phone, please join with me or on an iPad. I want you to see what the Bible describes as mere thinking. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> if you're there, say amen. amen. Did you just want to say amen or is that you're, you're there? You're actually there? <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 
We're going to go one, two, three. Yeah, Passion Bible. It says brothers and sisters. So who is he talking to? Us. He's talking to those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He calls them brothers and sisters. Right? So he says, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. Why? For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh because you are immature infants in Christ. Verse 2, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. Now, for those that have just accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, like within the last little bit, yeah, you can't give them solid food yet. You don't give babies steaks. Why? Because they don't have teeth. That's going to be, you're going to be gumming that thing for weeks just to bring it down to mush. So what do you do is you give them milk. And same way spiritually, how do we grow up spiritually? We need milk. And there comes the milk. And don't get me wrong, every once in a while, you need a good glass of milk. What's that to encourage you, to remind you who you are in Christ Jesus? Remind you what God has done on your behalf. Remind you how much God loves you. Because you can't just have a steak diet all the time. You just eat steak all the time. You'll be going to the potty a lot. Talk about meat sweats regularly. So once in a while, you need to down it with a good glass of milk. But he's saying here, listen, the, the greatest apostle in our New Testament has got this influx of revelation. He's got these things that he wants to share with this Corinthian church, but he can't. He said, it's impossible for me to actually share what's going on in my heart. Why? Because Paul is too complicated. You don't understand it? No, because you couldn't hear it. And if I were to share it with you, it would actually maybe hurt your feelings. It'd make you mad. It'd make you just ticked right off. It'd go, you would probably get offended in hearing all this. Why? Because you're still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. So you can see the mindset of the flesh, even versus the word of God, are polar opposites. Okay? Now look at this, verse 3. He says, For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Okay, well... Great. So he says, ask yourselves these questions. So these are the questions we have to ask. Number one, is there jealousy among you? Are you jealous? What does that mean? How come they always get to do that? I never get to do that. Oh, they're just, they're just so much better at that coffee thing than I am. They can, oh man, he's so much better. Man, the way that Carrie can sing is so much better than I. Why does it always, is there jealousy among you? That's just the first question. <laughs> we can open up a whole can of worms right there. Then he goes on to say, oh, you guys got it. Thank you. Is there jealousy among you? Number two, do you compare yourself with others? Oh, man, I'm not that guy. I'm not that lady. <laughs> I'm way better than so-and-so. Any of that is called comparison. And we know from the Apostle Paul that is a dangerous road to take because you can never match it right? Oh, well, that church does this. Well, this church does that. Why? 
Number three, do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, (laughs) it got real quiet in here. (laughs) Let's just keep reading. If so, (laughs) this proves that you are living your life centered on who? I'm centered on me. And I'm dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And I'm behaving like who? So is it possible that church folk, Christian people, not here, other places... Is it possible that church people can act like unbelievers? Ah, it's heresy. That's complete. No. According to what we see in the Bible, it's absolutely the case. So what can derail the plan of God in your and my life is actually behaving like the world. And how do I behave like the world? I think like them. As long as I think like them, I'll act like them. (laughs) So that's why you see it over and over in the New Testament. I plead with you, please change the way that you think. Why? Because if you keep thinking that way, you're going to get stuck with those results constantly. And the plan of God actually gets stopped at at your place of not renewed mind. And it stops the plan of God. And God goes, I'm trying to move forward, but I can't. And he will work with people. He will talk with people. He'll bring people to our sides. And he'll bring others to speak into our lives. And as long as I keep ignoring it, the plan of God gets stopped. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those people. Lord, here I am. Open me up. What needs to be changed? How do I need a change of my mindset? And I'm open to it. So what was the cause of this spiritual infancy in this church? Their minds were still set to the world's ways. So they live by the world's ways. So again, just asking yourselves these questions, is there jealousy among you? Do I compare myself with others? Do I quarrel like children and end up taking sides? I think that's such a dangerous thing. Even in my own short years of time, we hear people say, well, whose side are you on on this? There is no sides. There's the Bible and that's it. What side do you want to go with? I have to stick with this. I have to do this. Oh yeah, but that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm sorry, that's not my intent is to hurt your feelings. But what I will try to do is I'm going to constantly go after this because I don't want to hurt God's feelings. So I'm going to keep going after the word. And then you and I, what we need to do is continually align our thinking to this word. And this is just coming up in me, so I think I'll just kind of share it. For example, even just sharing that $179,000 came in, it could go either two ways. Praise the Lord. Why do you need all that? What, ter- what ticks people off the most in church? Money. But I'm not going to apologize for any of the money that y'all sowed in here that God wants to be doing, and we're going to just keep pushing forward on it. And again, if if there's questions that you have, by all means, ask. But you have to ask in the right tone because you're going, well, you need to be doing this with this. I'm sorry, we're not going to be bought. We're here to fulfill a plan of God. And that's what it is. Are we okay still? We're still friends. And these are just some of the warning things that I think that we need to just talk about a little bit. Because as we progress in this, as you and I have been entrusted with more souls, what happens when more people come? It gets messy. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> the more that, hey, come on in, come, 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 come. We want to expand our table. Come on in. The more kids that we had, we have four. I'm still doing diapers. I've been doing that for 10 years. <laughs> almost out though. We're almost out of it. <laughs> Jordan's been doing this a lot longer than I have. <laughs> so things get a little bit messy. So you and I have to be aware and ready for some messiness. Because is mess okay? Is God offended by mess? Not at all. He loves mess. In fact, that's why he came to us in our mess. But the good news is, is that there's an answer to get out of mess and put on some nice, get rid of some of those pampers that we've been wearing for years and kind of go, I got to shake off my, my pampers, my size five. I'm finally progressing to pull-ups. And that's great. Anybody, we, stop, we start at newborn, and then you go to size one. And then any parents in the house remember this? Two, three, four, five. I think there's a six, seven. Then we got a little bit of an issue. But it keeps going up, and you keep graduating, and then you go to Fruit of the Loom Undies. You can pee in those all you want. I don't care. They're like two bucks. Do it. But then you start getting into the more fancy stuff, and it's like, oh, well, now you're going to have to start using the toilet because that's expensive material that you're wearing right now. <laughs> So what we want is we want to grow up, right? So listen, as we're going into this, we want to make sure that as we are going forward in this, that I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for this, right? And I think that's only what I wanted to take some time to talk a little bit about is that we got to get ready because people come and when they come, they got stuff. Maybe you're sitting in a pile of stuff right now this morning. That's okay. We're here to help. We're here to be part. We're not here just to go, oh, that's okay. Well, 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 hopefully somebody will clean up your mess. We're here to join forces with you because no man behind. Jesus paid too big a price to leave you in your mess, and he wants to bring you into that full stature where now instead of not only are you worshiping and seeing the fruit off of your life, you're now helping somebody else at the same time. That's how this works. Now, so how do I combat some of these mindsets when I ask those three questions? I want you to look at this in, back in Ephesians chapter 4, right where we were, and verses 2 and 3. Again, we're kind of talking for our own selves here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. You guys got that down there? <clears throat> It'd be really nice. It says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another. Ready? Especially. Say with me, especially. Now don't touch your neighbor, don't look at anybody. Just look straight ahead. Especially toward those who may try your patience. Look ahead. Nobody else look. <laughs> All right. Kind of nail up with somebody a little bit. That's you, that's you, that's you. Now, this next verse, this is something that we've been doing again, talking as our leadership. Verse 3, but to be faithful to guard. Say with me, faithful to guard. Faithful to guard. What are we guarding? The sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among us in the bonds of peace. Protect it, guard it. So what does that mean when we guard it? Is that any time where someone wants to come and disrupt the sweet harmony that's taking place, wants to start coming in, and I just like to gossip. I just like to chit-chat and just talk about church political politic and ba da 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 Hold on. 
You need to, not, this is not just for you to kind of go, well, that, that's nice. We're talking about the plan of God being thwarted or slowed down in your own life. I'm going to go, hold on a sec. Is what you're about to say, would you say this if King Jesus was walking in the room right now? No? I don't want to hear it. And what is that for? It's to protect your own heart. But you and I have to guard this thing. Guard it with everything that you got. Why? Because there's nothing more sweeter than what we saw, what we've been seeing these last few years in the church. The harmony, the unity, the culture of the kingdom coming into a church where God is able to do and say as he pleases, where he's able to rule and reign and do what he does best, which is changing people's lives. There was hundreds of people that were all lined up all around this stage praying for people or being prayed for, receiving their miracles. Do you think, I, I don't want to take that stuff for granted. Do you know how that comes? The sweet harmony of the presence of the Spirit of God. Do you know what stops the presence of God from operating and moving? Gossip. Slander. Backbiting. Talking around people's back. Just stop that. Why? I want to receive all that God has for me. I can't afford not receiving my blessing. I can't afford not hearing from God because my heart is off course. Offense is a huge one. That's what they said. Well, that's what they think. Well, that's what they're talking. Well, did you hear what she said? Do you hear how he said that? And you're carrying that and you think you can come into a service and go, Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Shout it out, shout it out. You'll be like this. Yeah, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Shout it out, he's an idiot. You can't properly even receive from God. And it's not God's mad at you because you got offense in your heart. You can't hear. That's what's so dangerous about it. And this is the enemy's tactics as we progress and move forward. He will do everything he can to stop the plan of God or at least to slow it down. So all I'm just saying is heads up. Heads up, heads up, heads up. It's not worth to carry an offense. Well, I don't like the way that they said hi to me. Get over it. It's really not about you. It's okay. Find the next person. Maybe they'll say hi a little bit better. Maybe you could go, hey, is everything okay? Is, what's, what's going on? Is you having a rough morning? And they could just break out and say, yes, this is what's going on. And all of a sudden, rather than carrying this offense, meanwhile, their favorite shoe got broken before they left church. You have no idea what somebody's morning is like. And so right away, we're so quick to judge. Well, they didn't say hi properly. What's, what's their deal? Get over it. Take off the pan or the diaper one and step into some bigger boy pants and go, you didn't say hi? No problem. Hey, good to see you. Don't want to talk? No problem. See you next week. I'll talk to you later then. There's a way that we can do this. But just, again, heads up and warn. That's a very small, minute example you pick up what I'm throwing down. So steps to guard. So how do we be faithful to guard this sweet harmony? It begins with this, guarding my own spirit. So I'm in charge of my spirit. Can you say it? I'm in charge of my spirit. I'm in charge of the condition of how this heart is. Nobody else in this room is responsible for my heart. So somebody that lives on a fence, it's not my job to try to get them out of it, try to fix them out of it. I can't do that. That's not my job. My heart is my responsibility. Your heart is your responsibility. And of course, we can talk. And we, I'd love to help. But hey, ultimately, my heart, my responsibility. Proverbs 25, 28 says it like this. 
Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So meanwhile, we got people that are trying to manage and dictate everything from an external perspective. Right? You see that we want this, we want this. And you see like, man, I'm not going to get into that. We'll stop right there. But what we don't see is I have to rule over my own spirit first. My job is not to rule over my wife. My job is not to rule over my kids. I'm stewards of my children, but I'm not there to rule over them. I need to learn to teach them how to rule their own heart. Because if I don't, they will be a victim to society every day of their life. So-and-so did this to me. So-and-so said that. So-and-so didn't do that. And as long as I continually play that victim card, I've just created victims. And how are they helping society at the moment? They're not. Why? Because it's all about me. And sadly, how can this happen in church? I don't know. I don't know. Other than what we see in the scripture saying, (laughs) I'm dominated by the mindset of the flesh. I need to know who I am in Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, he takes the wine out of your voice and he slaps victory all over you. So now you start speaking from his standpoint, you start speaking from his perspective, and it sounds a whole lot different. And what we want to do is we want to help people if, if things happen in their life, if their if they're, um, city walls, if their spirit walls are down and they're getting attacked regularly, man, we want to jump in there and help. Could you imagine somebody just getting beaten down constantly by the enemy? Man, I want to step in there. Come on, let's get you up. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. But I want you to see how the enemy is going to be working. I don't have this scripture on the, on the wall, but Proverbs 4.23 says it like this. Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. So my course in life, the church's course in life is not what happens externally. It doesn't, it's not going to get changed by who's in power come the end of the month. Oh, the NDP got in. Oh, man, how are we going to make it? Are you kidding me? We're going to thrive. All oh, the conservatives are getting in. What's going to happen? Are you kidding me? The church is going to thrive. Why? Because it's not based on what happens on an external perspective. This is what the proverb, more than anything else, he, before he says, uh, guard your money, guard your, your anything else in life. He says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because my heart determines my course in life. My heart does. You are where you are today because of the course of your heart. Isn't that good news? So nobody else is in charge of my destiny. I am. Say it, I am. The devil can't stop me. He can't stop me. Why? Because I'm in charge of my own heart. And it, I'm so glad it didn't say, oh, yeah, but your life is going to be determined by all the things that the enemy's going to throw at your way. And hopefully it's not too bad. I think that's sometimes how we live as Christians. We go, I hope, like, I know the devil's out there. He's angry and he just doesn't like the church. I know he hates people. I just hope it isn't that bad. That doesn't matter. He's ticked off at you. He hates forward progress. So what do I need to do is I need to make sure my heart is guarded so that as I go forward, any types of offense, any types of bitterness, any types of whatever it can be, that I recognize it and I go, hold on a sec. I see you, you little stinker. There you are. You are trying to get into my heart. You're trying to slow down the plan of God. I will not allow it. Okay. 
Come on now. Let's go. <laughs> this is all I wanted to share. Just as we lay this foundation a little bit going forward, I just find it is so crucial and important as we go into this next season. Listen, July 4th is coming. That's three days after Canada's birthday. It's coming. And for you Americans, it's America's birthday. So what we're, we're, we're getting ready for it. So all we want to do is we want to be totally ready as this day approaches. Anything that need, Jamie, were you good? You're, you're good? Okay. Can we just pray for a moment as we just laid this foundation? And Father, we just come before you this, this morning. Sir, we thank you so much for all that you've done this last week. Lord, we are so grateful, so amazed, so blessed by all of that. And sir, right now, we on purpose just take this time to recognize not only your plan that you have for us, but, Father, to also recognize that, hey, there's an enemy that is at work. And so, Lord, we will do our diligence to protect and guard the unity of the Spirit that is here within us, that is here among us, even as a church congregation. Lord, what you've done here is so beautiful. No man can make this happen. No good leadership can make this atmosphere take place. But, Lord, it's you. And Jesus, we continually want to place you at the center of everything that is done here at Impact Life Church, here as we're serving people, as we're serving you. Lord, again, I just want to consecrate with my brothers and sisters, with uh, this church family that you've called together, Lord, that everything be done from pure motives, from a financial perspective, from our leadership perspective, from those that are serving on teams. Lord, everything to be done with a motive of purity, to be done with motive of honesty, of honor, respect, first and foremost to you as our living King and our living God, and also to these precious people and this world that you bled and died for. Father, we thank you for your deep love, and that love sustains us, that love establishes us, and that love propels us forward in your, in your presence, but also, Father, in the call that you have for us. Lord, I just dedicate and recommit myself to you to love deeply, to not be shaken by things that are said or not said, to not be shaken by what people think, because, Lord, they just don't know. So, sir, we commit that to you. And we thank you for advancing us forward. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, right now we just forgive those that have spoken ill, those that have treated us ill. Lord, we just cast them over and say, Lord, we forgive. And we bless them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless them. We speak God's favor upon you. We speak God's blessing over your life, over your families. Literally, just get somebody in your mind. I got some people in my mind. I just, I bless you. My heart is for you. And I rest in how much you love me, Father. Thank you.